Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children from the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about what parents need to look for, questions that we need to ask about child care during the COVID-19 pandemic. And joining me is Dr. Danette Glassy. She's a pediatrician in practice at Mercer Island Pediatrics. Dr. Glassy, thank you so much for being with us. And I have so many questions because I know that parents are going through a lot right now as the kids are maybe not heading back to school and they're looking at daycare or wanting to know whether they should bring in nannies or not or send their kids to daycare. Tell us about some of the safety measures. Give us a little bit of a review of the Head Start National Center on Child Health and Wellness and the info that you have as of now. It is a very tough situation for families as they really do need that all-encompassing kind of child care where their children will be cared for in a safe and healthy environment, but also be very enriching and socially, emotionally supportive to their children. Um, I think it's a lot for parents to think about. Um, and the system of child care is very complicated because it's different rules and different licensing regulations for each and every state. And some states have very broad and uh, well-respected uh, licensing rules and supports for their child care providers to be able to provide that kind of quality care. And some don't have as much. And so sometimes our advice has to be different based on that. So um, you mentioned the National Center on Health and Wellness at the Head Start Center. The American Academy of Pediatrics has been honored to be a partner um, with the National Centers for Head Start to improve the quality of early care and education programs. And a lot of that information is not only um, the best advice and the best support for Head Start providers, but also for all early care and education programs, child care, preschools, the entire grouping of early care and education programs. You throw on top of that this pandemic and everybody's scrambling to try to figure out how can we keep children as healthy and safe in in these care situations as possible, and and it has been a moving target. In our practice, um, families have come with lots of questions about what kind of child care should we choose, And number one now with the pandemic is how do we know it's safe? I think one of the first things families have to think about, whether it's preschool age, zero to five, or school age kids, is what is the level of the spread in your area of COVID-19? If you're living in an area where there's hardly any positive test results, People have been quoting something like 5%, but please don't hold me to that because next week it could be something different. But if the spread is low, the risk to your child of being in any kind of setting is a little bit lower. The second thing that people have to think about is what about the support to their um, particular center or small family home child care that they're thinking about using? Do they have access to the local public health who is helping uh, communities ride this out and be as safe as possible? Um, what kind of outreach have they had? 
And that is going to have to be a conversation with the caregiver that you are thinking of sending your child to. Do they have the supports to be able to provide that healthy and safe environment? Um, For parents who are looking to uh, understand what those best practices are, they can look to the CDC website under the COVID-19 information for child care. It's very well laid out now with um, uh, all the evidence that we have uh, supporting what is a healthy and safe environment and how you might implement that in a child care. Your local health group, whether it's through your county or your local health jurisdiction or maybe in your state, it's your state health department, will also have recommendations based on what's happening uh, on the ground. And so I often have parents look there as well. In general, I think the broad recommendations that the CDC has laid out are very good. So if you have low community spread and you're thinking, yes, I'll send my child back to child care um, or to his preschool, the first step is, is your setting, your early care and education setting, are they screening their staff and the children who are coming? And how is that screening happening? So staff are obviously asked to self-monitor. Most places are asking staff to um, not come if they have any symptoms of illness whatsoever, and maybe they're even taking their temperature when they come in. Same thing for the kids. They're asking parents to check their child for any sort of symptoms at all and maybe taking their temperature before they come uh, before they come in. Most places are trying to set up a drop-off spot outside, so parents are not coming into the center, and uh, so there can be a drop-off. But that staff person who's out there has to be protected as well because they will be meeting a lot of the public and doing that six feet apart or with partitions or with this PPE that everybody hears about, personal protective equipment like uh, hospital workers use, the N95s, coverings over their clothes and hair, gloves, um, those kinds of things. Each individual uh, early care and education setting has had to come up with a system for them. But in general, doing that outside and with the parents not coming on site is recommended. The other step that early care and education programs can do is uh, to have groups of children and their teachers stay together so there's no mixing of groups. That way, if there is a case, if there is a child, if there is a staff member who has become sick with COVID and was around everybody when they were contagious, it's a smaller group that has to self-quarantine and monitor for symptoms rather than than the entire school having to be shut down. The second part of that is when you're in school or the early care and education setting, how do you then continue to have kids distance? We know that it's safe for children two and above to wear uh, cloth masks, and so encouraging that behavior will reduce the spread. Also, besides keeping in small groups, having children do more things where they're six feet apart or outside. Um, The care center can also try to keep windows open as they're able to keep uh, fresh air and breezes running through. Hand washing and sanitizing, disinfecting. These two things are pretty much 
the recommendations are pretty much the same as they've always been. We know that illness spreads easily in early care and education settings, and so we've had national recommendations for when hand washing should happen. It's always been 20 seconds. Remember, sing the ABC song or Happy Birthday Twice or your other favorite song. Um, hand sanitizers with good supervision and good spread and keep rubbing till it's dry. All of those recommendations are the same. Um, and uh, doing it when you first arrive, whenever you are in the, have used the bathroom or af- before and after you've helped diaper a child, before you prepare food, before you eat, after you eat, after you come in from outside, and before you go home. All of those recommendations have always been the same. And then for early care and education programs, they should be disinfecting surfaces that are high-touch surfaces with an EPA-registered and recommended disinfectant. Now, the extra thing that early care and education programs have to think about is, am I disinfecting something that maybe a baby would put in their mouth or put their mouth on? Some of those are not safe for babies to have in their mouth or not safe for food surface preparation areas. So you really have to understand what disinfectant you're using. All of these uh, recommendations are available online and available to look at. Um, the National Center, uh, the Head Start National Center on Childhood Health and Wellness is a good place to start. The CDC website is a good place to start, and both link to these national standards around hand washing and disinfecting at Caring for Our Children, the national standards for early care and education settings. As hard as it is to find good child care, Dr. Glassy, what if the place they had been using closed? Because some places uh, are closing. Exactly. How do they know how to find a new place when they don't know the people and parents aren't allowed to go with their child? It can be a kind of a terrifying experience for an, a little kid to go to someplace new for the first time, especially if they have to wear a mask and social distance. So if their center closed... Do you have any tips for people to find a new one in their area? I do. Thank you so much for bringing this up. There's another partner in early care and education quality, and that's called Child Care Aware. It's a national organization that supports quality early care and education across our country. There are chapters in every single state, and you can go on the Child Care Aware website or give them a call They'll link you to your state chapter or your state phone number, and they keep track of the licensed care available and understand what is available at um, care centers. Even during this pandemic, they've been working triple time to make sure that they're up to date. I have to tell you, they're also the people who are supporting our uh, early care and education programs who are struggling to get support to implement all of these new health and safety standards and um, often can be the source of helping um, uh, our early care and education programs carry out some of these extra health and safety measures or to uh, be able to get uh, cloth masks for children and staff to help um, communities come together to support these early care and education programs. So they are they hold a very special place in my heart across the country as one of our prime helpers 
for this dilemma of finding quality early care and education uh, settings for our children that are also healthy and safe at this time. Well, it certainly is. And as big a problem as this is, there are still some families that prefer to have someone come to their home and keep their kids close and have a nanny. That's changed as well. I mean, whether they're coming in from a foreign country, if we do want to have somebody in our home to take care of our children and help us when we go to work, how do we find somebody at this time? What questions should we be asking? Should we be testing a nanny? Suppose they take a few weeks off and they come back. Tell us a little bit about what we can do if we have in-home care. Right. Well, again, uh, I think understanding how widespread the uh, coronavirus is spreading in your community is really important to understand um, how potentially contagious your nanny who comes in every day could be to your family. Having said that, um, having some uh, expectations of their routines uh, will minimize any spread in case they are asymptomatic or in that pre-symptomatic phase. Um, So uh, asking if they would be willing to comply, which would be wear a mask at all times, wash their hands for 20 seconds with running soap and water uh, right when they come in, um, uh, wash their hands before and after diapering if that's the case with your child, uh, wash their hands before preparing food, after they've helped the child in the bathroom or eat, um, after they've eaten, wash their hands, you know, kind of have that whole list that we expect in early care and education programs to happen to happen with your uh, your help as well, and encourage them to play with your child outside as much as possible will reduce any spread. They should be self-monitoring, just like um, all of us that are going to a workplace. Um, any symptoms at all, they should uh, 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 let their uh, employer know um, uh, that could be uh, COVID. Some of the respiratory symptoms like sore throat, Uh, congestion, cough, um, fatigue, loss of smell or taste, diarrhea, any of those symptoms, they shouldn't report to work and they should let their employer know. Um, Taking temperatures um, or asking them to do it when they come in and keeping track of that would not probably be unreasonable, but making sure that they feel comfortable with that coming into your home. An au pair who lives with you, maybe from a foreign country, is um, going to be in that little bubble, like your family bubble. Um, but then that expectation that they come with for being able to socialize with people in the United States is going to be a hard one. And I imagine that the companies that are helping with um, au pair and homestays like that um, are coming up with recommendations for families um, and how to have those conversations and expectations of your uh, in-home au pair. Um, probably comes down to monitoring for symptoms and, and, and social distancing, but taking into account how much is there in my community, how much spread is there in my community, and what is my what are my state recommendations for um, being in groups and socializing. It's very tough right now, even if you don't need out-of-home care for your children to socialize and for yourself. And we know that um, the third 
part of thinking about your family risk is who are you going to be in, in around and is there anyone in your family who's uh, particularly vulnerable? Is there an elderly uh, or, <laughs> you know, 60 and above, hard to say elderly, but an older individual living in your home? Is there uh, someone who has an immune system problem or respiratory, chronic respiratory problems, um, neurodevelopmental problems? We know COVID is relentless and attacks those people much more harshly. And so maybe none of these options are, are going to be acceptable risk, especially if you live in a community where there is widespread at this moment. Well, what great information. As we wrap up, Dr. Glassy, how can we promote for our children especially the ones that are just a little bit older, and you mentioned two years old for masks. As we wrap up, how can we promote these good behaviors? We know hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette are vital right now, but kids are notorious nose wipers, and (laughs) masks come around the neck, and they play with them, and they, you know, don't cover their noses. How can we work with our children if they are going back to preschool or nursery school or a care center and get them to adhere to these new rules, this new way that kids have to go, and even sharing. We've tried to teach our kids sharing so much, Dr. Glassy, (laughs) and now we have to tell them, no, sorry, you can't share your little cubby with them, and you can't share, you know, your food or your little carrots. You can't share any of those things. So kind of wrap it up into a nice little package for us on how we can teach our children about the ways that they can go about going to a care center and still being able to, you know, make friends and and all the important things that come with nursery school, preschool, care centers. Right. Well, I have been amazed and delighted at the resilience of young children. Even coming into my office, we expect all to wear a cloth face mask from two and above. And for some, that's the first time they've been out of their home and to have to wear that. Like anything with uh, child behavior and probably even grown-up human behavior, positive reinforcement works way better than negative reinforcement. So encouraging them, complimenting them, uh, likening it to something exciting for them. If superheroes are a part of a child's life, we often say, look at you, you're a superhero with your mask on and a proud beaming eyes come above that mask. It's been really delightful. And we really have not had any problems in our office encouraging that. Also, practicing at home, I think parents should do it for a short amount of time. Let's wear our masks and go play outside and see what we can find. And I want to reassure people because sometimes people are very worried about development in young children and what will wearing masks do but even two-month-olds with their precious, brand-new social smiles smile back at me when I have my mask on and I'm smiling at them. It's not just our face or our, our mouths that are smiling. They really can sense that smile with our eyes. So be rest assured that wearing a mask is not going to affect anybody's um, social-emotional behavior. And being positive about wearing it for kids two and above is the best way to get them to do it. 
Well, it certainly is. What great tips, all of these. And thank you so much, Dr. Glassy, for joining us today and really sharing your incredible expertise. And parents, share these shows with your friends and your family on social media because that way we're all learning together from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics who really is the gold standard. They are the ones helping us raise our children and keep them safe. And that's really All it's about for parents right now is how can we keep our little family safe in this time, get through it on the other end, and that's what the AAP is helping us to do with shows like this. So please feel free to share this show and spread the link around because that way we can get all these great ideas. There's a lot of parents out there looking for childcare and not sure what they're going to do this fall. So this has been some really great advice. You're listening to Healthy Children and our expert guests are all provided from the American Academy of Pediatrics. You can hear this show on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. This is Melanie Cole for Healthy Children and Radio MD. Stay well.